There are moments in our lives that fundamentally reshape how we approach the future. And sometimes we call those defining moments. I share that because I think that we Southern Baptists are at a defining moment of our own regarding the future of our convention. And I don't want to overblow this because I know that every generation faces its own challenges and they always feel daunting and they feel important as they are. But I do believe, brothers and sisters, that how we respond to the challenges that are in front of us right now will define not only our testimony in this generation, but they will also shape who we are and who we will be for generations to come. Let me be very clear with you. This is not a defining moment in regards to our doctrine. The conservative resurgence was a gift from God, and the Baptist faith and message remains an accurate and faithful representation of the faith handed down once for all to the saints. This is not a defining moment regarding our mission. We have been, and by God's grace, will always be a group of churches that are united around the Great Commission who come together for collective witness. But... This is a defining moment regarding what kind of gospel witnesses we are going to be in an age like the one we find ourselves in. And I believe that we are, in many ways, at a crossroads, and how we respond to the challenges in front of us really will define our future. And that was President J.D. Greer this week at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, talking about a defining moment. And a defining moment it was, Amy. Yes, Jonathan. It was a defining moment on several levels. We'll talk about a few specific things, but this year felt really different. It did. It absolutely did. The defining moments uh, that JD mentioned in there, we're going we're gonna to talk about a few of those we, we faced, we accomplished. I feel like uh, we took those first steps that we'd been talking about for the last few weeks as it relates to sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, this kind of predates the the report in February. Last year when Dr. Greer was elected, he appointed that sexual abuse advisory group. We saw the report from them actually last week leading into the annual meeting, tweeted that out and got that out. And, and then Monday night, I think, was a defining moment, at least for me. And I know you were in the room as well. Uh, the sex abuse panel that the ERLC put on late Monday night was, I, I think, an eye-opener for a lot of people who, uh, maybe they weren't skeptic about the the issue of sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention, but maybe they didn't quite understand it to the depth and to the level that it that it is. Right. Monday night, the, the scales, if you were in the room on Monday night, the scales fell from anyone's eyes that still Yeah, had I think them. the second that first story got told, it it really hit what what this is what it what it is like when it happens in a church yes susan cadoni shared her testimony on monday night for the first time publicly uh it just really discussed how she had been abused by both a youth minister and a uh, pastor at a church in the birmingham area and just a an incredible tale of how she was victimized and the the struggle that she's gone on since then and and to her credit, has sought healing through the church, has worked to uh, eliminate sexual abuse, help churches uh, eradicate that from the church, and you know that that was kind of the launching pad into Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes, and that event, which wasn't the, which wasn't the first. I mean, there had been several things going on throughout the day, but that event it was packed in the room, and. You know, you, you did just feel kind of this moment of, I think, about 1,200, 1,400 people, something like that, processing this together. Yes, and joining her on that panel was Beth Moore, 
Rachel Denhonlander, Dr. Moore, J.D. Greer. They were all up there, and it really did set the stage for what happened on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so before we get into all the other things, we're going to talk about this defining moment and everything related to that, because that was the discussion building up to the annual meeting. And during the annual meeting, Amy, we passed a bylaw change correct, for a new credentials committee and a registration committee. And we also had the uh, uh, affirmative vote of one of two years on a constitutional change. So walk us through those things. I know we've talked about them a little bit here on the podcast, but walk us through what we actually passed. Okay, so that was on Tuesday afternoon, and we we had the our executive committee report. Now, they brought eight different recommendations. A lot of those were just sort of routine budget, um, calendar, and a couple of resolutions, one for uh, Chuck Kelly, one for Tom Rainer, outgoing presidents. So those were all normal, but then we got to the big stuff at the end. And we had two constitutional amendments that we worked through. Both of them had to do with Article 3, what we did, but we handled them separately. One was adding to where, where it talks about churches that are in friendly cooperation. And we speak about those who have a faith and practice that's closely associated with the Baptist faith and message. It also added, does not act in a manner inconsistent with the convention's beliefs regarding sexual abuse. And then another item under that same article does not act to affirm, approve, or endorse discriminatory behavior on the basis of ethnicity. So those are churches that are in friendly cooperation with the convention are those who do not act in a way that discriminates or that is inconsistent with the convention's beliefs regarding sexual abuse. So the, the motion was to add that, add those two clauses to Article 3 of our Constitution. Now, our the vote had to pass a two-thirds vote. The vote for each of those did not mean that it is now added to the Constitution because constitutional amendments require two years of a two-thirds vote. So we will vote on these again next year. It was interesting because there was a little bit of debate about the first one. And it really, it it was... It was interesting because there was debate from people who did not want to do it at all. There was an amendment that was suggested, and that was to maybe strengthen the language a little bit, give some specifics. Yeah, clarify right, a little give bit more. some more specifics. Yeah. And so that vote, I would say it that amendment, it was clear that it didn't pass, but there were more people that voted for it than than uh, you often see. A lot of times it's it's it really yeah. swings. It was maybe 70, 30, so, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, well, it didn't didn't get where it where it needed to be, but it did have a significant amount of support. And what was interesting is that I, I can say that I was anticipating the and we'll talk about the bylaw amendment in a moment. I was anticipating the bylaw amendment to get a lot of discussion, but it seemed like the group kind of wore their conversation out. They they got what they wanted to say out on that constitutional amendment. Um, but ultimately, they, they met the two-thirds thresholds on the constitutional amendments, so now they will go forward into next year. Yes, so those go to next year. You mentioned the bylaw amendment. That passed without discussion and without much opposition uh, that I saw in the room at all. So that one 
sailed right through. And that was the one that created the Standing Credentials right. Committee and the Separate Registration Committee. Right. And essentially, the Separate Registration Committee is basically going to do what our Special Credentials Committee has always done. So it was really just a name change. And then the Standing Credentials Committee is developed, in a sense, to handle the things that we have in the past, uh, you know, we've had a lot of discussion over the last several months about the bylaws work group and about the bylaws work group and what all they were processing and thinking through when we do have questions, inquiries about the cooperate, about the, um, the status of a church, if they are in friendly cooperation, the standing credentials committee will be the group that will process that question and they will not make a final decision. They will make a recommendation to the executive committee. And so this is now a group that will work all year long and they have, uh, the, they will have terms that they will serve. Some will be chosen by the nominating committee. Some will be chosen by the executive committee. When they are, that's part of the nominating committee report. We actually did that already this week with the new slate and the convention will vote or will vote to confirm those. So there are, uh, the, there's still an opportunity for the messengers to have a voice in that as well as the two ex officio members. Now they, they are, they still have voting, right? They just are on there by virtue of their position. And that's the chair of the executive committee who is at this state, who is at this time, Mike Stone and the registration secretary. We'll get to that in a minute, but we now have a committee of nine as the Standing Credentials Committee. I thought that would have a lot of discussion. I thought we might have pushed back on it. I certainly expected amendments simply because it was such a lengthy and complex suggestion. And so I just assumed someone would see something in there they wanted to tweak. But I think I think folks really got their discussion out on the on the constitutional amendment earlier and they wanted to go to dinner and they said we're we're good with this. Yeah, Wednesday they decided they didn't want to go to dinner. We'll get to that later. Right. I will say I think probably the discussion over the last several months and then even on Monday night, I think people came in the room recognizing we do need yeah. there's we do have to do something. Yeah, and and I think the the bylaw change and the creation of that committee that's something i think the messengers were behind from the start they they wanted someone yes. to say these people are the ones who are responsible for this and right. now we have that clearly defined i think that's why it sailed through without any discussion because they understood that we need a group who's committed to this and we don't have that right now and that's caused a lot of confusion over the last few months so now we can right. kind of get that lined out. I, I th yeah, I think the average person walking in, especially with all we've gone through with the bylaws work group and a lot of question, is this their job? Is it not? Do Are they equipped to do it? So when you then say, well, let's put a group in front that this actually is their task. Um, that just seems like that was something the messengers grabbed onto and said, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And part of that new standing credentials committee will be our new registration secretary, Mrs. Kathy Litton. Yes, that was that was a big a big deal. We had two contested elections, but that and that was the the last one of the day on Tuesday. And boy, it was close. Yes, and that was a th that was a tough one. I have to tell you, both candidates were people that I know and uh, that I really really like. Um, Don Currents 
was nominated for re-election, and he is a man who has really served the convention in this capacity for years. He's been the registration secretary for two years, but before that, he was an assistant to Jim Wells for about 20 years and just knows the system very well and, and serves with a lot of humility and, and just a just a really good good man. Kathy Litton is also someone who has been committed to the Southern Baptist Convention, has served in a number of different ways when this role now is expanded. But she brings a lot of leadership and wisdom to the position. She just brings some different aspects to the table. And, and we had these two nominations in front of the people. And the difference when the results came in was by about 40 votes, something like that. Yeah, 44 votes. Yeah. So uh, as someone said, you know, essentially, if 23 people had voted a different way, it it goes differently. That's that's how close these can be. And honestly, let this be a lesson to everyone out there. That's why you should be in the hall and not in the coffee shop or whatever, because your vote matters. Um, yes. But that, not that that's one of your, your um, soapboxes or anything. Right. Right. We were this close, Amy. We were this close right. to having another 2016 where we have two people and no winner. Right, right. Because there were some ballots that were not, that had to get thrown out. There were a few, so it could have happened. Can you imagine if we had had a tie, like a legit tie with some bad ballots? Do you know what happens when you have a tie? You, you vote again? No. Oh, really? When you have a tie, the chair has to break the tie. Oh, wow. That would have been awkward. It would have been terrible, and I don't. I. I mean, I can't speak for him, so we we shouldn't even speculate. Well, um, I don't know where he would on have that. Gone with I don't that, know what he would have done. He would have. He would have hated that. Right. I know that. So let's just let's just hope to never have a tie. That would be awesome, though. Right. I will but say that's that. but that's Robert's rules. So that's where the chair cannot. The chair is impartial unless there is a tie on a vote. Oh wow! I wonder what he would have done. We can't speculate, but right. Let's just wow, not that, ask him. It didn't. It, it wow. didn't come to that. But anyway, here's what I appreciated about that election: is that we've had elections in the past that were contested, that were very tense, and that it was real opposition between the two choices. And that is not what we had here. We had two very good choices, and people just made the best decision they could when they were voting, and. That's really the kind of thing we want in our elections because we want people who are willing to serve, who are ready, people we can respect, and that we just we just in the end just make it make a decision. And so Kathy Litton uh, is the registration secretary. Now it's kind of a milestone. She is from everything that I have checked uh, historically, the first woman to hold that position. We have had, Two women in the history of the SBC elected as second vice president. They were, uh, I believe, leaders in the WMU back in kind of the mid 20th century. But we've not had anyone, I believe, as any other office. We've not had a, a, a woman. So she's the first woman to serve as registration secretary. I do think, uh, I think Don Kearns has done a fantastic job the last few years. And I think Kathy Litton will do a fantastic job. Yes. Absolutely. And then the final part of kind of this entire sex abuse discussion, uh, we did two things on Wednesday. And that was, first of all, the time of lament and repentance, which was incredibly powerful. If you weren't there, you didn't see it, 
you need to go back and watch that on the live stream. Just that little section on Wednesday afternoon that started uh, the afternoon session. Absolutely the most powerful part of the annual meeting this year. It really was. And I want to go back and watch it just because you can't experience everything sitting to the side there. And sometimes you have to get up and, and deal with things. Yeah, and you've got work things that are going on too. Yeah. Right, right. And so I don't ever get to just sit and take it all in. Those are the moments that I have to handle side issues. And so I want to go back and watch it and really take the whole thing in. All right. And then the other part on Wednesday afternoon was passing the resolution. And we'll talk a little bit more about the other resolutions, but the one on sex abuse uh, that we passed on Wednesday afternoon. Yes. And I really, I really thought that was an important moment because we, we did a resolution last year. We passed one on sex abuse, but you didn't quite feel the gravity of it. Now, the way we communicated in the, in the media last year, the media saw that and really picked up the story of that resolution. But because we had run out of time last year and the committee came up and did everything as a block, the vote in that moment, it was very quick and we were voting for all these resolutions at once. You didn't have a sense, kind of a sense of what you were doing. In this one, first of all, there was a friendly amendment that reminded it was just a, a, a very easy phrase that that added something that took into account children it was talking about encouraging victims to report and then it just added sort of as they are able because it was recognizing that many are are children they're they're young and real wisdom in that the committee received that as a friendly amendment so that was a, a good discussion and seeing those ballots raised for that after we had had the Monday night panel, the bylaw amendment and the constitutional amendment, the time of lament, seeing those ballots raised, you, you got a really different feeling than last year, where last year felt procedural. Let's take care of all of these resolutions at once. This year, I, I really could feel in the room that everyone understood the gravity of the moment when they raise their ballots for this resolution. So it's, it's a really important one to, uh, to read. We'll, we'll have the link to everything in the show notes, but go and read that resolution because it was a major statement. Amy, that kind of wraps up the, the first section of the program. We're going to talk a little bit more about the annual meeting, but we did want to start out with those defining moments on the topic of sexual abuse. That is something that has been a, a main topic of this podcast and a main topic in the SBC and was something that was of major importance heading into the annual meeting. And I, I thought, like we said at the top of the show, we took a very good first step in addressing that within the convention. So thank you to all who were there, who participated, who advocated, and who just came and listened and learned. I know a lot of people have signed up for the Caring Well Challenge uh, and also have signed up at churchcares.com for the free curriculum. Churches around the Southern Baptist Convention will be different because of what we did this week and the resources that were put out and just the encouragement that they received about dealing 
was sexual abuse better within the church. So thank you to all who were there for that. And now we'll, we'll get into some of the other moments of the annual meeting, Amy. But before we do that, uh, located in Louisville, Kentucky, our sponsor, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. I visited their booth this past week and got a, a couple of nice freebies and I saw some folks over there and chatted with them. They have that great booth with the the cupola, Amy, and the little mini Norton you Hall. Figured, you figured so, out how we should say it? Yeah, cupola. All right. Very cool. So, Amy, let's just uh, start the rest of our show there in the exhibit hall. Uh, you guys had some great exhibits. I'm drinking out of my brand new Southeastern mug with uh, all kind of stuff on here. The Taj Mahal, the Burj Khalifa, the Sydney Opera House. Looks like Big Ben. What else yes. is on here? And here's the saddest thing. What? I didn't get one. We gave oh. them all away, and I do not have a mug. I have one. So I'm I'm working to see if there is any any way I can get. I did hear they were very popular, and so it may just be that we need to to order some more for more giveaways, and I can grab one then. But I was excited. I was excited to hear how people liked that mug. Yes, they did. There were some great giveaways, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some swag stuff later. I, I put out a tweet asking folks to respond with some favorites, and we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. That'll be our kind of uh, resources of the week section, but it's going to be different. So in the exhibit hall, there was also the CP stage. You and I had some great discussions over there. All of those are online already. You can go and watch all the discussions from the CP stage. We'll be using some of the ones that you and I moderated in the podcast later on in the summer. So we'll be bringing you the audio of those. You should go and watch the one that I did with your boss. I'm okay. eager to watch and see if I can tell from my facial expressions what I was thinking in that interview. <laughs> because I just have to, I'm going to give a little commentary so that people can go and watch. Brad Wagoner is great. He's one of my favorite people. And uh, he he actually has had a couple of instrumental moments in my career like that that I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Brad Wagner. We we went out there and I had a long list of questions and one thing that I think is a great quality of Brad is that he's very concise and succinct. He's he's clear and direct in his conversation and answers, which is a great thing unless you are in a 20-minute interview and you need to fill all of the time. Fill all 20 minutes, and, yes. Yes. And so I would ask my questions, and he would just give a, such a, a clear, direct, and really concise answer. And then I, I blew through them and looked at the clock, and we had like 13 minutes left. So I haven't watched the video yet. But I'm going to, and and those of you who are listening, if you go, see if you can tell what was happening in my head, because Panic. I was panicking, and I was thinking, uh, okay, how do I get back and maybe rephrase this question or do some expanding on this one? Um, so I, I think it ended up being a really, a really good interview, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, and now you also hosted one with uh, on women in ministry. Yes, uh, with, I loved with, that one. Yes, and by the way, watch that one just to see Katie McCoy's shoes. They were on point. She had some green shoes that were just spectacular. Right, but her answers were on point too. Her, yes, they were her, too. 
Katie McCoy is amazing. She's one of my favorite women in the SBC, and she had just some incredible answers. Gina Floyd was phenomenal in that panel, and Kathy Litton. It was great. We missed Susie Hawkins was supposed to be on that panel as well, and I had a great question I was going to ask her about women throughout uh, the Southern Baptist Convention's history, but because of all the flight cancellations and delays, which a lot of people dealt with, including myself, she didn't get there in time. So yeah. we missed her tremendously. But it was a fun panel. I did not have flight problems. Yeah, you drove. Yeah, that, that eliminates I wish that. I, I wish I had driven. My flight was delayed so much that I realized at some point when I was sitting in the Atlanta airport that if I had driven, I would have been there for a few yes, hours. you would stage. have. But All right. Well, anyway. And, and I had one with Vance Pittman and David Melber about the Send Relief. That was a great panel. And then Micah Fries, Ed Stetzer, Rob Armstrong joined me for one on missiology. And then you and I both hosted a couple. One on the vision of the SBC with uh, three of the entity heads, at uh, Ronnie Floyd, Paul Chitwood, Kevin Ezell. And then we also had one with Dr. Greenway and Dr. Dew, our two newest seminary presidents. So several great interviews at the CP stage you can go watch. And there were a lot of great ones that we weren't a part of either. So uh, there's a bunch there. You can go watch that at talkcp.com and log in and watch those for free. The Send Luncheon, I went to that, Amy. You didn't make it to that. You had meetings that just kept running over, and you couldn't get right. in there for that. I did, and we had a blast. They played what I would call the Jonathan Howe game with some of the new entity heads. Yes. Uh, where they had Taylor Swift lyric or Lamentations, quote. Nice. And, and by the way, I, I got them all right. Of but course I'm protesting. Yes, I did. But I'm protesting the last one because that was not a Taylor Swift song. That was a Brooks and Dunn song that she covered at a special event one time, not a Taylor Swift song. So I am protesting the last inclusion of a Taylor Swift lyric because that wasn't well, really her lyric. Your, your protest is noted. Is that on video? Are they going to post that? I don't know if that's on video or not. You'll have to look around for that and check maybe the NAM website or something, and maybe they'll put that up there because it was fantastic. I so, would love. I, I hated to miss that, and I would love to see it. And they did a great thing. They they paid off a mortgage for a bivocational pastor in Alabama surprised him and his wife with that and just it was it was a great moment and uh just a, this pastor who's just plugging away in the tuscaloosa area and just a bible guy got two special needs kids and just they they did a great thing for him so that that was fantastic so do check that out if it's online the pastor's conference i made it in there for a little bit of that so uh there's a recap and you can watch all the videos of that as well uh, they went through the beatitudes I, t I tell you what the pastor's conference book this year the program one of the yeah. nicest programs I've ever seen from a conference. It was, I mean, it's a thick, big book with a great design. It's got stories throughout of different pastors and uh, the elements of the Beatitudes. A phenomenal, phenomenal book. So the, the team at Shades Mountain, I think, put that together. Well done, guys. Well done. Fantastic. So, Amy, the three panels that we saw during the annual meeting, the one on racism, there was one on uh, women in ministry, and then there was one on like theological issues, and they yes. were phenomenal. I, I was blown away by those. I, I didn't quite know what to expect uh, going into those. I mean, I, I like panels. I like hearing the discussions. The people on there were fantastic, but uh, just some great insight, great quotes, and great encouragement on those topics. Yeah, I was really proud of... Some of my friends on, on those panels, Missy Branch did a phenomenal job on the uh, panel on race. And then Danny Aiken was on the panel on women, along with Jen Wilkin, Donna Gaines, some uh, women that I just admire so much. And 
they really had some great discussions. J.D. Greer moderated those and just led the conversations so well. Also, Kathy Litton, Jason Allen were on the, the one on, on theology and, and several others. And I think part of that goal was really to point in the direction of gospel above all on all three of them. And they were just a great addition to the program. Yes. And George Yancey and the racism yes. one, he had some great stuff to say there. I, Incredible. I, really, I, I, I didn't know him and I was blown right. away. Donna right. Gaines Incredible. and the one in the women, Donna Gaines got up there and got after it. She, oh, I'm telling I, you, and wow. I tell I tell as many people as I can, Donna Gaines is, I, I'm, but I'm one of her biggest fans. She is incredible and just so articulate. And I love, I love when she is on a panel because she has, she can have some real mic drops. Yes. And then on the theology one, I, I do want to point out Willie Rice was on that and he's, he's great. And he did a great yes. job. And he was on a panel with us last year on the CP stage. I'm not sure if you were on that one or not. I think I, I may have done that one. I was but, not. I think I couldn't get there for some reason. Yeah. Um, but I, I did that one last year. He was on a panel with me last year. So I'm at breakfast uh, Thursday morning. And he has also been elected as the convention preacher for next year. Yes, so he has. So we get to hear him preach. So former uh, pastor's yeah. conference president and former panelist with Jonathan Howe. And now convention preacher, so he's moving. He keeps moving up. Yeah. Yes. You. you that's that's real fun. You kind of threw yourself in there. As Those three the, steps. You know. Right. Right. So, that's it. Moving up in the world. Um, yes. One other thing about the annual meeting: the worship and prayer times, amazing. And JD Greer had said that he wanted it to feel more like a worship and prayer meeting with business mixed in with it than a right. business meeting that had worship and prayer in it. And I think that was a massive success. I I agree. I thought. It was incredible. Uh, some of the prayers, Cam Triggs did a, a, an incredible job leading in prayer. And then uh, there were some other, Susie Hawkins, other people came up and participated. And the worship was phenomenal. I just, I loved it. I I found this year's worship to have a real unifying component to it. Uh, just great leadership of all the the people in the room. My best moments, so this leads to, to my number one moment of the week. And it was one that I really wasn't prepared for. It was unexpected. And I always have a lot of great moments that I take in. But this is confession time. I When the convention sermon comes, and I think everyone should stay for the convention sermon, should be there. But I do have to just step out for about 15 or 20 minutes. I have this one friend, Beth, that's our only time to catch up because it's the one part of the session where I don't have any responsibility. So I was sliding out to go and catch her for 15, 20 minutes and, and say hello. And on my way out, I just, I heard the worship and I had to step back in, in the arena, up in the seats to, to hear it. And we were just, it was, you know, oh, praise the name of the Lord, our God, that it was that, that song. And I looked down on the floor and I saw my daughter on the floor and I didn't know that she was still in there. And I watched her and I, and she, I watched her raise her hand up and I just, I just stared at her. And that was the best moment of the whole week for me because I wasn't expecting it. And I just thought to myself, take this in because you, you don't get to do anything like this and that no matter what happens in the business, uh, this is, this is what, this is what it's all about. So 
the worship and prayer was was amazing, but it was for me it was the best ever, and it really gave me one of my best Southern Baptist Convention moments of the last thirteen years. Yeah, and also Amy uh, tied to the worship and prayer, Brandon Williams. He was the the worship leader for the week. Brandon, well done, man. Uh, he Fantastic. he was the one that would come out and kind of play the kind of transitional music. It's kind of like the the playoff music at the yes at the Emmys or the Grammys or something like that. Like get off the stage music. He wasn't doing that that way, but it, it just really set a different tone, and he he matched it up well. It, it's just a phenomenal job. We had dinner with him Wednesday night, and he was awesome. Yes, and he was you know so he wasn't always the one up front, but he was leading the whole yeah uh, the whole thing, just setting setting the tone. He did an incredible job. Yeah. And, and one final note on the worship: we did songs in Spanish. We had traditional hymns. We had more of a gospel feel. We had some gospel music in there, some gospel feel, and then we just had your regular contemporary stuff. It was a great mix, right. and I think it really reflected what the Southern Baptist Convention is becoming and, and where we are heading as a denomination. It, yes. From like the first 10 minutes of being in the room on Tuesday morning, you could tell things were different. And Brandon yes. Williams, well done. Amy, another highlight of the week always is our missionary sending service. We sent out 26 new missionaries on Tuesday afternoon in an incredible service. It was great, again, to see an arena field praying over these missionaries as they are being sent to the nations. Yes, I think that's one of the most important components of the annual meeting because it is the time that the messengers can tangibly see this is what we are doing and this is kind of the ultimate reason for cooperation. I mean, this is where most of the cooperative program goes is to sending people around the world. And it just gives you something to really look at and be a part of. So I I think when we come together, that is one of the most important things to be in the room for so that you can be a part of that experience. And it was very well done. Yes. The elections this year, we had no opposition in the president, vice president's roles. Uh, so President J.D. Greer, first vice president, Marshall Osbury, second vice president, Noe Garcia. They were all elected by acclamation. Actually, they only got elected by one vote, and that was Don Currence's vote. So Yes, I cast vote the margin. ballot on behalf of the convention. Yeah, one vote margin for J.D. this year after yes. the last couple <laughs> of times. And then also in the elections, we mentioned Kathy Litton as registration secretary and recording secretary. John Yates won. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It was somewhere around 60-40 that he won for his 23rd term as the recording secretary. Resolutions, Amy, your husband was uh, deeply involved in those as the vice chairman of the resolutions committee. And all 13 resolutions that brought forward were passed, some with some minor amendments, some friendly amendments to them. Uh, A lot of discussion on the resolutions on Wednesday afternoon, but ultimately uh, all of those passed and uh, some great resolutions calling for a few things, including the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, that was a really strong resolution. That was resolution one. And I think I saw someone comment during the week that that that's the first resolution we've had that actually called for overturning. And it also named some governors. It named governors that have done things that to be commended. And it also condemned the decisions of other governors. So it was a very strong resolution. There were several others. There was one, you know, one that had got a lot of discussion later in the, in the time. And it really caused, we had to extend time of, 
a few times and I, I think those votes were really funny when we had to do it once. And then the second time Adam Greenway came up to extend time and JD Greer said something like, well, the motion to extend time passes, but by not as much as it had before, just everybody laughing that people were wanting, they were voting for going to dinner, I think. But we did make it through those. My favorite resolution in that package was resolution six on the promotion of a cooperative culture in the Southern Baptist Convention for mission advance. But I think, first of all, because there just isn't a lot, there wasn't a lot to debate about that. It, it moved pretty quickly and attention was on all of these others with kind of their particulars. But I would highly recommend people to go back and look at that and read that. And I think it actually, you know, creates kind of an umbrella uh, for how we handle a lot of these other issues. I, I just thought that was a, is a beautiful resolution. And I want to start reading that before every SBC annual meeting. I think it just helps us to approach one another with a lot of grace. Amy, I totally agree with you about that resolution and several of them. I am once again disappointed in the resolutions committee for the perfunctory resolution on thanking the city, but that's okay. You know, you should get up and debate about that at some point. I should do that one year or vote against it, like stand in the front row. And then whenever they call for people to vote against it, stand up with my ballot held high. We also had, you mentioned the motions. We had 23 motions made. 18 of those were referred on to committees. Again, this year, no Wiley Drake. uh, So no motions from Wiley Drake, but we did have another one from Philip Bethencourt. So maybe he's becoming the Wiley Drake of the SBC now and taking up that banner. Nice. I bet he appreciates that. I bet he does too. It's a joke. I saw it on Twitter the other day. It was pretty funny. So, uh, and then reports, Amy, we had reports from all of our entities. We're going to link to all of those. We're not going to go through each and every one of those. I will just highlight one thing. There was a great video in the Lifeway report talking about the store's closures. So yes. as soon as that video is online, I know we're working to get that video online. As soon as it's online, we'll share that from our Twitter account. So do follow us on Twitter. Yes. Uh, but that, that explained a lot. And I think I heard a lot of messengers after the fact saying how much they appreciated that and how, how it I did showed too. why I did too. Uh, that, that decision was made. And in the seminary report, two new presidents, uh, Adam Greenway made his first full report. And then New Orleans, because they're right in the middle of that transition, Chuck Kelly gave the report from the last year. But then but then they introduced Jamie Dew and he got to introduce himself a little bit. And, uh, you know, my husband, Keith, and I were over to the side just tearing up watching that uh, because of the mixed emotions that we're feeling about that transition and how excited we were to see him, uh, even as we're sad. But that was that was a good moment for the messengers to meet two new presidents that they haven't encountered as much. Ronnie Floyd and Paul Chitwood also doing theirs on on Tuesday. Yeah. And then finally, Amy, we get to our messenger count. What was your what was your goal? My goal is always 10,000. Even when I know it might not happen, I'm I'm never going to stop shooting for 10,000. Well, it's it's going to happen next year because we had a whopping 8183 in Birmingham. I was calling around 8,000 and I was I was right. You were right, and I'm okay right. with that. I in principle, I was unwilling to call for anything less than 10,000 because that's where I want to I want to get is it on a regular basis. But Honestly, 8,100 for an off year in terms of contested presidential election, that's really strong. And 
demonstrates something about people realizing how important it is to come and to be a part. Now, I will say this. The the registration secretary election, I want to say, had about 4,100 people voting in it. Uh, it was less than and, that. It was 3,500. Okay. And that was... The recording was, secretary had about 4,000. But yeah. Okay. And that was all on Tuesday afternoon before the EC report, which is kind of the, the important moment. So... While we had 8,100 registered messengers, I'm going to guess we never had more than 5,000 in the room at one time. So let this be my moment to encourage people, come be a registered messenger and also actually come to the meeting. Don't just go to all the auxiliary events because what we are doing is really important. So my hope next year is to break 10,000 and at some point for us to have all the, you know, to have a, almost all the people in the room and uh, and participating because that that really is kind of those are the two days of our our work together. But I still am excited that we had as many people as we did. Yes, absolutely. So it was it was a great turnout. And I was very, very excited to hear the, the numbers coming in before it even started the pre-registration numbers. And then also just to, to see it show up. I mean, that exhibit hall on Monday was kind of pandemonium because it, there were so many people in there. The Kind of the walkway between the two main exhibit hall areas where the CP stage was, it was yes. absolutely packed the entire week. So uh, it, it was a really, really well attended. So those of you who came, great job. All right, a few other pieces of news, Amy. We have a called Lifeway Trustee Meeting on June 28th to hear a report from the Presidential Search Committee. So I, you, if you can read between those lines, I, I think we all know what that means. Well, you know, the, the fact that it's going to have to be, a, that it's a special called meeting usually means something. They don't just bring a special called meeting for the Presidential Search Committee to give a brief update. So I'm going to assume we have a vote coming in that meeting. And we will see if that happens to be the case. All right. Yes. Next up, Carson Newman elected Charles Fowler as president. Uh, Carson Newman has been without a president for uh, quite some time. They unanimously elected Charles A. Fowler as the new president at Carson Newman. He's been the pastor since 2010 at Germantown Baptist Church over in Memphis, Tennessee. And before that, he served at Union University for about 15 years, including as the VP for Enrollment Management for enrollment management, a vice president for development, and also a professor of Christian ministries and education. So congratulations to Charles Fowler. Our final piece of news here is the creation of a vice president position at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes, this will be vice president for enrollment and uh, kind of chief strategist for anything related to enrollment, recruitment, admissions, advisement, success, retention, completion, all of those things. So no candidate has been named at this time, but the position itself was approved. All right. That's going to do it for the news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. I decided that, you know, some years I just say this was the week in SBC history. Um, but this time I just thought, well, I'll go back and, and show something because then it can highlight work that was done this week. To 1950, 
and it was the uh, to 1950 when the executive committee expanded the work of Baptist Press. So there's an article at the beginning of that release that just talks about some of the things the executive committee was doing. And it said that Baptist Press would, would expand to include, you know, additional uh, secretarial personnel. And then also they would expand the service to state Baptist papers to provide more and better news releases and further relating in an effective way the denomination to the secular press. So in 1950, they took Baptist Press, which was already putting out this information and said, we're going to expand it to relate more to state conventions and relate more to the outside media. And I just thought that was interesting. Sometimes have tried to track the history of Baptist Press, how it's been involved, but this is their biggest week of the year and uh so i just thought it was was interesting to say they had a had kind of a moment in their development in 1950 this week in sbc history all right well that's really cool and uh baptist press big part of the annual meeting covering all that and getting all these stories out that we link to each and every week now that's going to bring us to what is usually our resources time, but we're going to do a favorite moments of the week. Before we do ours, I put out a tweet to hear from listeners to see what they thought about their favorite moments of the week and, and also maybe their favorite swag that they picked up. Top answers include the IMB sending ceremony and the Monday night panel. So two things that we talked about here on on the podcast and as well as the worship. So if if I had to rank the three most common responses, it would be the, the panel on Monday night, the sexual abuse panel, the IMB sending ceremony, and just the praise and worship in the annual meeting. So I think you and I would, would agree with all three of those. Absolutely. Um, some of my others would be, I already shared what my number one moment was, and that was watching my daughter worship. I also loved the SBC women's leadership network event on Tuesday night. That's right. And, getting to meet new friends and, and make connections. And it, the, the room really had a, a, a buzz to it. I also, I just got to the very end of the women in work event, but what I saw was just phenomenal. So that was, that was great. Another, really, I had a number of great moments in, I don't get a chance to really connect with people for long. I have some short conversations here and there, but I had a few interactions with people that were just really meaningful and important things that, that I won't forget. And uh, so some old friends and new friends and, and things. So I think, I think those were really special moments for me. And um, I, I just want to say hats off to the SBC president, J.D. Greer, because he did a phenomenal job moderating. And yes, that's something that's something that I look at a, a lot. And I have have served on the team with two presidents who were just incredible men and have watched presidents in, in years past being out in the, the among the messengers. But I really got a lot of joy and, and learned a lot watching how J.D. Greer led the messengers through all of the things that we had to do. And, and that, that was just really neat, getting to watch it from the side and then also sometimes being up there and seeing how he was doing it. So uh, those are some of my highlights. All right. My highlight was meeting Nora and Leo. Oh, that too. I forgot that one. Nora and Leo and talking to Zach. Keep going. Yes. 
Yeah, Nora Leo, remember who remembered you. It wasn't Miss Amy. And remember who forgot you. That was Miss Amy. Um, no, so- I'm tired, Nora <laughs> and Leo. I'm so tired. I'm drinking my coffee. I had you on my list earlier. So Jonathan brought you up, but talking to Nora and Leo Fullerton. Yes, Fullerton's. Uh, we got to hang out with them a couple of times this week, and that was really cool. So right. it's great to see them. We're going to have to have them on. They are our youngest listeners that we know of. So... Um, I think Leo's yes. like five or something like that. Nora's like six or seven. So uh, yes. they're, they're fantastic. And, and, and then I did so get to shake hands interview. with Zach. Yes. So. I, I loved getting to, to talk to him. And he was, I talked to him finally at the end of the Southeastern lunch. And so we got to visit a little bit, which was a great event. We, we were, I was blown away by my colleagues and their work at the Southeastern lunch uh, that they just did a did a phenomenal job, but Zach was there, and I got to to talk to him. We also had a moment at the southeastern lunch where we said kind of our we prayed over Jamie and Tara do, and that was really emotional and uh and meaningful but but good and so there were too many highlights they really were yeah that's a great uh, one. but we, we do, do we but back to Nora and Leah, we are gonna do an interview with them so that people can hear. Uh, their heart for what we do in the Southern Baptist Convention. And they're going to give us a review of the Giant Cow program. Yes. I heard great things about that. So, yes. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, and then on the uh, the resources side, like the, the favorite swag, the top responses were the bag at the North American Mission Board lunch, which is always a popular thing. It had all kind of stuff in it. And then the clean canteen from Midwestern. There was a huge line for those. On yes. Monday, uh, I, I tweeted out a picture of that. And then also um, the Caring Well Handbook. So becoming a yes. church that cares well for the abused. Uh, a lot of people talking about that because of the, the good they would be able to do with that and that program in their own church. So those three were kind of the, the big ones that we saw. And one thing that I think we, we did not mention uh, in the show that I do want to bring up at the end here was the IMB translation of the New Testament for a people group in East Asia. And that was completed. That got fully funded. I, I did a few verses. I knew I was at the booth, actually. Mary Mary did a couple. I don't know if you she knew did. that or not. So, I did. Uh, I saw it. She put it on, on Instagram, I think. Yeah, so, so. Uh, she did a couple of those. I was there whenever she was doing that. So it was kind of funny. We ran into each other at the booth there. I was doing a IMB live thing. So, But that, that got done. So that was pretty exciting. So all in all, I think a very successful and, and exhausting week, Amy. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's good for us to recognize that we can sometimes look at these meetings and say, okay, we took care of all we needed to, let's tie it up in a bow and head on vacation. The reality is, and specifically with this the abuse issue we are facing, we took some steps. But what we are looking for is a real, um, almost a, a culture shift of just everyone acknowledging and understanding the gravity of this and the importance of us all stepping up to know it could happen anywhere and we have to begin preparing ourselves for this to do the right thing. And so I think we do need to realize we took steps, um, but we all have to keep walking down this road to be churches that are protecting people. Yes, absolutely. So uh, with that said, we're going to leave it there. Uh, share with us your thoughts on the annual meeting. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever it may be, and let us know what you thought about the annual meeting and what you're looking forward to now in the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, Amy, 
We're going to see folks uh, next year in Orlando, but we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you.